0: For many, this heat, dust, and isolation remain the perception of agriculture. However, in the 21st century, agriculture is an exciting,
1: high-tech sector that feeds the world.
0: Hi, André. It's so nice to see you. Um, André is the global technical support person for the Grappa Varieties. And he is South African, he spent a lot of time in Namibia. And we've had the opportunity to sit down and chat to him and hear about his career in the grape industry and and hear what he's up to. Yeah. It's so nice to see you again.
1: Thank you, tell us
0: Tell us a little bit more and tell us about what you're doing, and it would be lovely to hear a little bit more about you.
1: Yeah, I've been 40 years uh, growing table grapes or being part of table grapes, that's all. Um, I get a lot of questions when I travel, do you know anything about a citrus or stone fruit or palm fruit? And even if I did study it in Elsenberg, I always say no, I I don't know anything, it's only about grapes. So yes so for 40 years uh, it's a passion it's uh, every year is different i think that is what keeps me going and at the moment I'm um, as you said the technical global supporter of grappa so i go to different countries i assist growers um, on basically a to z of production sometimes even marketing they will ask questions and uh, yeah the countries started with three or four, and it's now already past 15. So uh, this is what I do at the moment.
0: Wow, so which are the countries you travel to?
1: Egypt, Turkey, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria. There's a possibility of a Libya, then Greece, um, USA. I did India, I did China. Um, I'm going to Cyprus, can you believe it? I did Abu Dhabi, they've just done the their harvest last week. They actually called me on the weekend to say it was really a good success. Fantastic. The fruit actually goes to the, to the king and the royal family and they uh, were delighted what they saw. So yeah, and then as you know, Namibia is also a country that um, if I have time, I still give some advice there. Um, go to brazil go to peru go to chile so wherever they need me they send me uh, it changes um it changes basically every three months so if there's a need i'm on the plane no well but how did
2: this you've farmed yourself but how did this whole thing with ara or grappa come about
1: do you know it started um In 2001, when Early Sweet was basically released, and myself and Dr. Kompion and Ati Valentine and Peter Alderman of Top Fruit, we got onto a plane and we went to Israel. Um, I'll never forget it because the security check at the Johannesburg airport was about one hour per person. Anyway, so we, we Because you're going there. Yes, we left for Israel. I don't want to say the questions they asked me and the way that I answered them, but uh, that's quite funny. Um, At the end, I said to a lady, you know, you have a male vine and a female vine, and then they get a baby, and I'm going to look at the baby. So then she understood, and she stamped my passport. But um, so we went there. There was early sweet. I mean, early sweet was... Was it was the very very first year of early sweet, so there was no early sweet worldwide, nowhere, only at Shafar's Farm, sugar one prime, and then we had to decide. And as I walked in, I went to three different rows. I decided early sweet. I came back, um, and I said that early sweet will be perfect for Namibia for the for the production for the time zone. Then there was a little bit of a problem um, because they had to have an agent in South Africa and they were forcing us to then marketeer through one identity and we said no, uh, we can't do that. We want an open model. So after a month they agreed and we got an open model.
0: Okay, so you had an open model for the marketing.
1: We had open model f- for the marketing of the of the early sweet. So we started to plant the early sweet and this is how I started to to get the carneal to to know the carneal family. Um, and as we all know from, from I think two, three, they started their breeding program, Grappa, and Namibia did not sign the Ipov agreement. So we could import Um, any variety into namibia without quarantine without any delays so it was the opportunity of the new releases of the aras to to import them and test them in namibia Um, we're talking about 20 years ago 17 years ago and i i basically tested it and i decided which ones would be profitable for the producing units in, in namibia and yes the family just as we said, I think the family connection just got bigger and bigger, and at the end, fifty uh, percent of the entire Namibia had uh, Grappa or other varieties. And um, then, about a year and a half ago, um, I was blessed to 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 have my first grandson, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of a, a sabbatical or a little bit of a sitting back and uh, they asked Andre but you know we really need with all your experience with all the other varieties um, wherever you've gone the last 17 18 years can we use that for our for our company and this is our this is how I got to where I am now Sure. so from
0: from you know i think we're talking about Namibia but tell us about the place that you work. Tell us about where it is and, and the, the people, kind of climate the it has. That don't know. Tell us about Ausinkir. Where is it, and tell us a bit more.
1: I think ninety percent of the visitors will tell you it's the moon landscape. So that is a common name for where we live. So it is um, on the border between South Africa and Namibia. It's fifty kilometers downstream from the Feuerstufenurtuver border post as you enter into Namibia and um, our annual rainfall, yeah, everyone's talking about um, climate change, but we are talking about a two to three millimeters of rain per annum. So obviously all the irrigation comes from the Orange River and there's unbelievable opportunities, land um, available that no one used for centuries.
2: Um, and the soil is fertile because there's never nothing that's ever grown
1: in it. Soil is, uh, we always say soil is a medium, you know, you can change the medium, whatever. And as Devald says, you know, it's its extremely easy to prepare the soil, to plant a veneer, to irrigate it, to fertilize it and let it grow. And obviously the big thing is the climatic conditions. What I mentioned, it's the rainfall. I mean, there's there is supposed to be no rain in the entire production harvest process from September until end of December. The um, amount of yeet units that we have there is probably, uh, let's say, 10 to 15% higher than a region like Uppington, where we also know it gets extremely hot. So your, your cycle is extremely short, and that's why you can produce grapes for the European market, UK market, from let's say fifth of November until the fifth of of January, and that is the that is the is the jewel of the whole business. You know, it, it's that time zone, mm. and also, um, you know, I left Powell in two thousand after being in growing grapes in Powell for almost twenty years, and uh, diseases like downy mildew, like botrytis was your biggest enemies. You get to Namibia. Haven't, I haven't seen downy mildew in 22 years. So it, it, it's a special area to, to grow grapes.
2: Even with something like downy mildew, does it, um, because of the heat, even if it comes in, it just won't survive? It won't survive. It's, I mean, yeah, we,
1: we even say fruit fly. Fruit fly, it's too hot for the fruit fly. That's a little bit of a joke, but it's, it is is really. I mean, we're talking about, you know, my highest I've ever experienced there was 54 degrees sure. one day. Um, and you're talking about always between 38 to 46 in the October, November, December period. So it just speeds up everything.
0: So for, for people who maybe are not that familiar with um, growing grapes, table grapes, the ideal climate is hot and dry and that's exactly what you have there so the the bugs or the fungi or the anything like that just don't survive so that helps a lot for for producing good quality clean um, conditioned table grapes
1: I think you've hit it on 100% Louise I mean as I said people talking about global warming climate changing rain um when it shouldn't rain, but a long story short, every time there's something like this that happens either in South Africa or in Peru, whatever, people will immediately talk about the, the condition of the fruit that will arrive there in two, three, four, five weeks. So in, exactly as you say, if you don't have that kind of climatic conditions, you don't have that issues. So that is why it's slowly, but it's it, it started, I would say about, f- six years ago, seven years ago, that the the retailers, the importers, the consumer have slowly but surely started to focus on Namibia uh, as an important supplier uh, of grapes. And and the one thing is, is what you mentioned, but remember, the other one is also these days with all the chemicals being sprayed, you know, you have the green people, if, if that's the correct word. So, Namibia yeah, has got a green status because you you use you use you can use close to 50 percent less um, of the insecticides and the chemicals that you use in in other regions so
2: that's also a very positive one okay so is there still a lot of scope for growth in in Namibia?
1: I I would say that um, at least in 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 my mind, at least there's another, they are 3,500 hectares now. I would say, Diawalt, you probably in that area, in that region, with the water supply and the land available, you probably can do another three five along the Orange River. So you're talking about 7,000 hectares. They, it was close to 10 million cartons this past season. And we've always said that Namibia could do 20 million. Hmm.
0: That's incredible. So the, the positive things that you have in Namibia um, is, which is basically on the northern bank of the Orange River is you've got this incredible water supply and the climate which is perfect for table grape production. You've got um, lots of soil and lots of place to grow, good soils. One of your biggest challenges from there is getting your fruit onto a ship and into the market. So it's a long distance from there to the the market. So I would imagine that that is a bit of a challenge for the guys.
1: It takes 12 hours for a cool truck to drive from your farm down to Cape Town. So you, um, if you have a supply from the Hex Valley, I don't know if that takes two hours. Mm. So, okay, so then you, so we are talking about 10 hours more, but as you say, you know, we've We've been there for a long time and it's the whole operation the whole logistics has become leaner mm. and smarter and better so Louise, for grapes to be held in the cool room for 12 hours longer than let's say our competitors okay. is, is is no problem at all um, there is there is so many. So many opportunities in the past, Louise. You know, I had Transnet there, I had Portnet there, I had the entire Namibian port authorities. Um, there is such a huge opportunity to ship from Namibia. They have Wolfish Bay, they have the um, uh, the train set up from from the south right up to the north. It just needs to someone just needs to drive it, mm. um, and obviously that will also be good for Namibia. So. I hope, I hope, and I dream
2: that one day someone, someone will, will tick that box. But they're going to be building a new harbour at Alexander Bay. It's a new harbour coming there.
1: Yes. So Luderitz, Alexander Bay, Luderitz. We tried Luderitz. Um they're too shallow, so you can't have these big vessels. But if they have a, something like Saldana or Cape Town, and they do it in Alexander, I mean, it's it's two hours from from the farm,
2: yeah. so that a, could be. That it's been in the news, but not it's not been promoted. But that's not going to be, it's probably going to be in the next 10 years. But okay. there's a new album coming
0: in, mm. so okay, very interesting. Namibia, and so from going from being living in this very isolated place with its, with its challenges to being somebody who travels the globe, everybody thinks it's so glamorous. But I can imagine it's pretty tough on your system to move around as much as you do, but also inspiring to meet the people that you do. Tell us a bit about your new job, what that's like.
1: Yeah, I think I can compare it, um, Louise. Um, I think we met each other, I don't know what, 15 years ago or 12 years ago. But in a way, when we started being part of Namibia in 2001, it was a I mean it was a little baby. Mm. it was extremely primitive. Um, no one recognised it. It was like the with all respect it was like the clown of the of the industry you know the only The only advantage at that time was obviously the the time zone. but um, from there to now, the building of of all these grape farms and the empowering of the Namibian people. That is extremely close to my heart. It's to see someone um, that I met in 2001 that was a farm worker and today he's a a, a MD of an international company in Namibia. That gives me satisfaction. So to walk away and say, I left something um, for for the local people, for the Namibian people to have extremely future. Now, exactly the same is what I'm doing at the moment. I go to countries like Morocco, like Algeria, like Turkey. People are not um, the, pe- people. People are not familiar at all with the grape industry as as we know it. You yes. know. So again, yeah, it's it, it's as well seeing the development seeing the results seeing the the questions like with all respect like children mm-hmm. and by empowering these people so yes it's tough it's tough the flying the hotels the loneliness i mean every night you you're alone in your hotel room but but getting out of the car and seeing the way that people greet you you can see in the in their whole body language they are happy to see you they share a lot of you, you become friends. Mm. Exactly the same what we did. I mean, I have so many Namibian friends now that that, as I said, that we empowered, and now they're my friends. They talk to me on WhatsApp. They call me, and this is this is what gives me satisfaction.
0: So you are actually being a, a mentor to people internationally, people that. Are just starting out. Some are a bit further down the line, but some are just starting out. So literally, they would probably really appreciate your invaluable knowledge that you bring them. So it's teaching, and I would imagine that's that's very satisfying.
1: now that's and as you say, you know, it's not only. I mean, you have the, the you have Greece that's been growing grapes for I don't know what, million so, years, whatever. Yes. <laughs> but you know, they don't. They have all the old varieties, the Thompson seedless, and that. Now they have this new. Uh, ARA, ARD, crapper varieties. And basically they are starting from scratch. Um, yes, they know how to prune, they know how to irrigate, but it's like it's like they, they have no knowledge of the the finer techniques. And and by teaching them and by seeing the result, as you say, it gives you so much satisfaction. And you know, they, they make a comment when I get to Greece, they say, Why are you always so positive? You're always positive, you're never negative. I say this is this is our industry. Because we're always looking at next season, we can and we and we take it day by day, and also this kind of let's say spin off from myself to them. It's not only technical, it's not only table grips, it's also for for themselves, for themselves, you know. So little little bit like a doorman, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but with all the travels and everywhere you've been, what is the? Uh, we all know that Peru is like the next big thing, everybody's supplying the world with fruit at the moment, but where is a very good opportunity that you think people have not explored it enough? I think the entire part of
1: North Africa, so from Abu Dhabi, Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, Morocco, Algeria. Why, Devald? They have amazing climate. They have, let's say, a ex Valley climate, where they have very, very cold winters. And then they have a basically like gear summers. Uh, I mean, they're close to the Sahara Desert, where there's no rain. And also where their cycle is very, very short. And the big thing is, if they harvest on Monday, Monday morning, they harvest. Wednesday, it's on the shelf either in Germany or in London or wherever, or in Spain. I mean, it's just across.
0: Proximity to the markets and the right climate.
1: Yes. So, and they, they're in a time zone before Spain, before Italy. they in between India and the European supply. So, they have a, they have a, to my mind, they have a 55 to 60 days. And that's exactly what you need, yeah. you know, to supply. That's two months. Yes, and I mean, as I say, if you're a consumer or you're a retailer or importer, and you know that these credits have been picked on Monday, and here we are selling it already to the clients on Wednesday, that makes quite a big difference, um, you know? If you use it as a marketing tool, I think it's, and uh, this there, well, again, there is there's so much opportunity there. They have the land, they have the water, it's just that it's something new that one needs to mm.
2: to put pressure on and develop. Is there enough mouths to eat all the grapes? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: someone well known in the industry asked me this in 1989 when I was still in Paul with the Kirsten Group. They said, "Who's going to eat all the grapes?" Now we're in 2023, and um, I can still tell you, dear. if you do the proper job and you have the blessing of the climate, you can still make very good money. Who's the consumer? I cannot tell you that. It seems that after COVID, people are talking about more healthy, you know, Mm. citrus, fruit, apples, whatever. But to me, there's there's always a market, there's always an opportunity.
0: And there are new opportunities. People that markets that were never thought were never considered as potential as possible markets are now being developed. And as you were saying, North Africa could really be a production area. Who's to say that you wouldn't be able to market right there in those countries and into other parts of Africa? Because one of the things that people in South Africa as growers are looking at is that the long supply chains to our north europe north uh, northern hemisphere markets people are looking closer to home and the apples have done extremely well into africa so as um, supply chains and infrastructure improve it's something that one you could be um, developing markets that you completely overlooked before so that's also something to consider
1: yes and they exactly what you say they say you know, if we supply grapes in June, that is that is when the let's say the peak will be. There's no grapes in South Africa, zero, mm. nothing. Mm. They import from Egypt. Yes. You know, but now you have a Algeria, you have a Morocco, you have a Tunisia, that you can have supply grapes June, July, August, when we don't have any grapes in South Africa. And as you say, not only South Africa, Namibia, Angola, mm. all our countries here, we wait for we wait for the for the Namibian grapes in, in November. Mm. Um, and then we wait for the X Valley grapes in January. But what about all those other months? And it's get, one continent. You get stuff from Spain and it's yes. really not good quality. It's not. And they are before Spain. And as I said, Diawalt, they have this typical al Upington Uppington climatic conditions as well. They don't have a summer rainfall, but they have this dry, dry desert climatic conditions. So people, a lot, many times they ask, why is your grapes different taste? I said, it must be the, the climate, must be the climate, it must just be the hotter nights, the hotter days, you have a different taste, you know, mm-hmm. more, more favorable, I would say.
0: On that, on that matter of, of having different flavors and different tastes, um, is it, you, you get to travel, you probably, because you go to see the other varieties and the, all the grappa varieties in all the different places, it must be very interesting for you to see how they um how different or how they adapt to different climates. It must be very interesting. And what, what can you tell us about that?
1: It's a very good question. Um to give you some background, we, as I said, we've just had a, a harvest in Abu Dhabi. Now if you if you if people don't know Abu Dhabi, it's like Musenberg or like Lowberg, it's 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 ocean with sand. It's it's if 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 any of our our fathers or grandfathers or even my friends, and you say you grow grapes here, they will say it's impossible. But long story short, so it does grow there. We managed to get it grow, and the taste there of the varieties, um, to me, it's the crispiness. The crispiness is different than, for instance, European country with the same variety. So you immediately, you, there's a difference. Um, you can say this comes from, let's say, Abu Dhabi and this comes from Greece. You know, um, not that, that there's anything wrong with the with the Greece crepes, but there is a difference with the same variety. And, um, uh, you know, people did, if you come to, to Cape Town, I remember 22 years ago, they say, why is your... Your flame, for instance, different than the flame that we buy here in South Africa. It's more crispy. It's more sweeter, um, and I think it's it must be the clim- different climatic
2: conditions, as you said. It's it's different, you know. And the soil, because if you look at wine, one of the big things is the terroir of because a Sauvignon Blanc here will taste different than a Sauvignon Blanc there. So that could also be.
1: It can be, and it's 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 it seems Deval, that the that the places where you don't have the the royal uh, the best soils, like for instance I mean the Burke River, Hex Valley, Bakersfield, have extremely good soils for vineyards. Uh, The Arsangir, the Abu Dhabi's uh, if you talk to a soiler, you would say that that is not in the same class as these other soils. Yet, as you said, yet they they produce very good grapes. So it can be, yeah, it, it, definitely the soil, the soil can, be a, can make a difference.
0: So for somebody like yourself who's been producing grapes, farming with grapes for 40 years, to have walked the walk with one particular um, grape breeding um, company for the time that you have, and to be seeing these varieties all around the world, and hearing what people's feedback is about um, introducing these grape varieties on their farms and growing them, what kind of comments and feedback have you had from people? And what kind of? Let us know or tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, that's quite a complicated one. Um, you know the the saying around the industry is that it's all about the jockey. It's all about the guy that he's on the farm, makes it happen. So you'll you'll get to farm A where people are extremely happy with the other varieties crop you go to B and, uh, you know, we don't have production. You know, we don't have this, we don't have that and blah, blah. And then if you start to educate, if you start to spend time, you will see that um, there is some mistakes made on the protocol. So, um, and I think the... Let's say in my younger days or what we will learn from our fathers is that everything takes time. And it seems these days, I'm not saying it's the mobile phones or the WhatsApps, whatever, but it seems that people don't want to to spend too much time. So if in a year or two they don't get a result, um, they remove it where you should rather stay and, and fix it, you know, because the variety that you've seen in other places, let's say, for instance, in Bakersfield, you've seen it there. So if, it's, if it can be like that in Bakersfield, there's no reason why you cannot produce the same quality. But sometimes I see that people, um, they, they, they don't want to spend time, you know, three, four, five years. Uh, yes, there's a cost factor. But again, to remove everything and to start all over with something else, it's it, it's the same, you
0: know. So, you mentioned the protocol, and I think that 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 would be a very interesting thing. Is
2: it? Yeah, no, I'm just checking something, but don't worry.
0: So, we we when you mentioned the protocol, I know what you're talking about. But can you a little bit expand on? Um, obviously, when you plant this variety, there's a how to. And then also there must be a range, there must be a…
2: Everything is against us today.
0: Yeah. So, so, if you're planting these varieties, there must be some kind of a, a manual of how to grow them, or a protocol, or an explanation of how you should do it. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yes. Um... Usually, it comes from from the breeder. Um, let's say a basic protocol, but um, I I can be maybe a little bit different than other people. I say that each each country need their own manual or protocol, and even the regions in that country. For instance, um, we have a very good. Um, let's say, University of Table Grape uh, advisors and growers and so on in South Africa. And we have a very good booklet, as you know, and they always say uh, there's one, two, three, four, there's five different regions. So in this region, don't do this. In this region, don't do that. Um, and with the release of the the new varieties and the the basic protocol from the breeder, that the grower receives, he obviously does that, but um, unfortunately, this is where we said before you need the time to test this variety in your own in your own vicinity in your own farm, and it can be that the protocol has to be adjusted. So, I said to them, I had a very good mentor in my in my young days, one of the icons of the industry in the world, and we had a, um, a golden rule. We called it Golden Rules, J.D. Kirsten, um, and we had a Golden Rule book, but that book had to be updated every year, every single year. So even if it started in 1972, the Golden Rules, it changed. It changed from from year to year um, because some people see something or explore something, and then they see you get a better result or a better color or a better berry size or whatever if you do this. And sometimes it's totally against the protocol, but it's experience, you know, it's experience. It's, And this is why I said it's a. this is all a long-term investment. So um, the only protocol that new development countries have and growers have is the one that they get from the breeder. But we, on all my visits, I try to encourage the people to write their own manual their own protocol use that but if there's some fine tuning um, I always say it's like cooking cooking a meal a little bit of salt a little bit of pepper and this year maybe the climatic conditions is a little bit different then you have to change it a little bit and this is what 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 makes
2: it so exciting also in my in my position so so with all this travels going everywhere what is the what is the general of the town in the grape industry at the moment because I know South Africa's had two or three tough years. What's what's going on in the rest of the world? I think well, the, the, the big thing is the the economy. The
1: economy, as you you know, the Europe, the US, everyone because of the war situation from Russia. So there's a little bit of a negativity on the expenses, the fertilizer, the fuel. Um, uh, it's not as positive as, as it should be. Um, there's a great positiveness on the new varieties that has been released um, and that shows extremely potential but there's there is a little bit of negativity on the cash flow you know the economy and like you said it's not only in South Africa it's wherever I go it's 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 tough times as they say um, but again then you get you get pioneers um, you get go-getters that say, you know what, we just need to go forward. We just need to we just need to close our eyes and plant and, and just go forward because it will change. So you have the positive people that, but it, it at the moment, it's a little bit negative uh, based on economy.
2: And when you were in the States now in March, um, when you were back in Bakersfield, after all the very wet season that they had, what was the, the general talk of the town there? Because what, what a lot of people don't know is that, that fruit gets picked today and tomorrow it's on the shelf.
1: Yeah, so they had an abnormal um, winter, late winter, with a lot of water, a lot of snow, a lot of towns was under flood. Um, you know, even yesterday, two, two days, yesterday was six degrees in Bakersfield. I mean, it's it's close to May. So they're talking about a two to three week later period. Um they are they, they, also in a mode uh, developed that um, it, sometimes it's difficult to change. If you're in a mode for 40 years, you don't want to listen to, to someone else. But due to the, the different climatic conditions and the global warming, blah, blah, all of that, you know, I was taught when I was a young guy, um, cut late, cut fruit, cut early, cut wood. That was a a, a slogan that was in the J.D. Kirsten office. Cut late, cut fruit, cut early, cut wood. So what does it mean? It means that try to prune as late as possible to maximize your your production and that will maximize your income because trying to to go too early, um, there's so many risks and, and this season shows Answer your question that a lot of growers still went the November December uh, period of pruning, where you actually should have pruned mid of Jan to end of Feb, and you would have a total different result you know, the budding, the growth, all of that. Um, I've seen it in, luckily, in Morocco, the same, and luckily, the, the people that also see it. Uh, I was there in December, and the some people said, we will prune the first week of January. And I asked, why? No, because we always prune the first. I said, but I don't think you should. You should prune end of January. Um, five pruned first and five pruned the end of January. There's a 60% difference in production at, the, at, at this stage, just because of that. But luckily everyone has seen it. Everyone is talking about it. And we made a, not a joke, but we said, you know what? Go on holiday. Twenty-five December, first of January. Forget about the farm. Come back in January and prune. So that is little things like also like Louis said, the protocols that you need to adjust. You know, so I think. But but, but,
2: but is that adjustable by, by conditions of the season? When when do you make uh, that? Because you uh, don't you don't know what's going to come in the months time.
1: Let me give you an example. When we started in Namibia in the two thousands, there was very very little vineyards, I think a yeah, hundred and then they, yeah, I don't want to mention names, but people in their mind, we are early area. We are, we are early and this is where we make our money. So we prune mm. in May and we prune, we finish in June. Then you have, let's say myself and some other people coming from, from the Cape, from the industry. We start pruning in July and we finish mid of August but we still, pr- we still produce grapes at the same time. But our harvest is three times more. Now you will not find any grower anymore pruning in that stage. So this is, as this is I say, it's sometimes a 50, 40, 60 years, I don't know what, that people are, are in this mode and you need to change. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fine tuning.
0: They say, most dangerous words are, we've always done it that way. <laughs>
1: Very true. No, very true. But you see it all over. Even in Egypt now, when I was there, it was like a little bit of a deb- debate. They say, we need to be on the market. We need to be on the market in that stage. I said, my friend, we have a very, very good um, organization and company in South Africa. And it does an economical survey. You know, I think we all know what I'm talking about. And they will tell you that nothing beats production nothing beats production if you want to make money you need production and quality those two things you can be two two to 3 weeks in the market before your neighbor but your your production will be 50% and no consumer is going to pay double for grapes no one especially in these tough times so and then but it's a it's a it's like schooling as we started the, yes. the conversation it's, it's talking to to people that that doesn't have this background or experience and you can see their own belief but as soon as they see their neighbor did it and now yeah. they see wow look at this guy's production and he's going he's to be the same time he's going to be two days later it's going to be no difference but his net income is going to be five times more
2: sure
0: so so back to the to the grappa varieties you're going around the world and telling people how to grow them and how best to grow them and how to fine-tune them have you seen the introduction of these new varieties to new countries and new farms making a difference to the growers, that they are um, improving their production and potentially their income?
1: Yes, I think the, the seriousness of the whole Grappa organization or company or family by the massive amount of input they put worldwide and um f- for myself going there and spending knowledge to them or experience they 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 start to to change their methods so their profitability goes up and up and up and the big thing louise is the these days we all know labor is extremely expensive and the mm. the the main um, aim of the crop varieties is, is As little as possible uh, usage of labour because it's extremely expensive. So as soon as they've seen this in the in the they've planted this new variety, they compare it with the Thompson seedless or with a European variety, and they say, "But you know, we it's it's so easy to grow. It's just there, and it's also very productive. That's also one of the key issues of the Grappa. Um, It's extremely high in production. Then they start to see, and they understand that, wow." we are making three, four times more money than ever. So this is the positiveness.
2: Wow. That's really cool. It's, um, I think that people that, that's not involved or don't understand the breeding aspect of fruit in general, it's, it's one of the most interesting things that's, that's there. Or you can make something that wasn't there before that can just uplift people. Yes,
1: if I think of Devalt of my younger days with the old varieties, the Dambanana, the Waltham Cross, all those kind of varieties, you know, all the effort um, and how easy actually it can get um, with these new varieties, you just need to buy into it. Mm. Buy into the protocol, buy into it and and yes, as I said, the jockey makes the difference, you know.
2: When we were in Paul now earlier there was a street, I don't know if you saw it, Louise, Waltham Cross. Yes. The, a, a street name and I wonder if anybody living in that area even know what it is.
1: Piet of nice of Cape Span, he, used in, he lived in that street in Waltham Cross. He lived in that street for, I don't know what, 30 <laughs> years, 30, 40 years. Aren't there? Yeah, yeah, he lived in that street. Uh, there's also a Barlinka, there's a Barlinka Avenue somewhere here as well. And as you say, pff, yeah. I mean the whole 80% of power was Waltham Cross. And 80% of the value Valley was Barlinka.
2: And the, the streets were named because
1: yes. it was people made money, you know. It was La,
0: Rochelle, La
1: Rochelle, Bonnier, yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of names like well, that. I wonder
2: if the people that's living there now even have got no, any idea out. what it is. They, they will Google it who was. From yeah, right.
0: But I want to ask you a, a slightly more personal question. And you can see how you can answer that. With somebody with a kind of length of career in one type of production and so on, It's always interesting to know if there was anything, did you remember a particular event that was very significant in your life? That's the one side of the question. You can think about that. Or was there an event or something that happened that was particularly funny? It's always nice just to share. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but maybe something comes to mind. I don't know. Or even during your travels, something with the grapes. I, mean, I know somebody once said, Why don't you just freeze them and ship them? I mean, you know, that's so easy. It's like, No, you just don't understand. So, is there anything I think the funny that you part. Can tell us that was particularly the,
1: funny? The funny part, Louise, is that, especially in these new development countries, is um, when we spray about, when we talk about the chemicals, the spray, and also the dust, then people say, No, but we wash the grapes. You wash the grapes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then. <laughs> And then they said, but we wash the citrus. I said, but I mean, if you wash the grapes here, you will, it's you know, gonna it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> so, and that you find quite, quite often. Um, sometimes also the understanding of the sizing and the flowering process that people read the manual, but they have no clue what is flowering, you know? You get a, you get a message, Andre, can I now do the, the flowering protocol? But he sends me a picture of a berry that's already 10 centri- ten millimetres. <laughs> and this is this is growers, you know? I mean, uh, so you, sometimes you, yeah, these
2: are kind of things well, that you... Well, grape
0: flowers are very small. If you don't know what's going on there, you might not actually understand. No.
2: But, um, so interesting, but on, yes. the, on the washing part, it's actually quite interesting because you get these people and they say, now you've got to wash the pesticides off. Yeah. But there's no chance that they'll be a pesticide of any sorts on that thing because it's gotta go through all these withholding periods and you can wash it but it'll just be dust. Or keep it on there and get your trace elements. I always say you you know you when you wash it is
1: when the when it's right at the end of the client in the house mm-hmm. and yeah. you're gonna eat it now and now you can wash it because you can eat it. I mean I remember even the X Valley when I was a child, a very well known family there been growing grapes for I don't know, two hundred years and he used to he used to take the bunch, take off each berry, and he put it in water before he before he ate it. And that's a grower in X Valley. And it wasn't because of anything, it was just like a putting milk into your coffee or not, you
2: yeah. know? There was no specific reason. It's a it's it's well, I've picked it up because we've spent many hours in vignettes. You get that, that dusty taste the dust on your on your teeth and on your tongue and your lips. But you know what it is. yeah. And, and enough just recently, last week, we, had, we bought grapes from the shop. And it was on there as well. And I was like, mm. but if you, if you wash it, it's just to get the dust off.
0: And also people confuse bloom
2: yeah. with dust. Yes.
0: And, and we're talking about bloom now, but maybe you want to explain a little bit what I'm saying? Because some people might not know. Maybe an opportunity to talk about that.
1: You know the, especially the black varieties, uh, Mystic Bloom, um, is, as you said, it's it's a it's like a like a white white-ish, not powder, um, but Wax. it's not shining, more waxy. Yes, so you have, you go to certain countries, consumers, let's say the Far East, is totally different than the West. Um, the the consumer would either prefer extremely shiny like a cricket ball, a red cricket ball, or the other consumer would, please, I don't want to see any shininess, you know, especially your retailers these days, your importers from the UK, they want to see the bloom. So the bloom has now suddenly become, it's it's handled um, minimum, and the taste is different because it has a bloom. Let's, okay. let's, let's keep it like that, you know. Interesting. Because um, we, the, 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 the big thing is that grapes don't want to be handled. They don't want to be handled. So the less handling you can do to grapes, uh, the better the yeah. end product yeah. is. And now consumers, importers, retailers know all of this. They know that, listen, if, it's, if it arrives and we open the box and it's just that bloom, we take pictures, we use it as a
2: marketing tool. So it's quite positive these days. It's not yeah. more the shininess, you know? I had a, um, we filmed something in the X Valley once in the, with, with people from China, and the girl said to me that you can get up to 100 Rand more per box from the same shipment, the same yeah. or, or vineyard, everything, just because the grapes got blue on it. So for growers, that's a lot of money in the, in the pocket, if they can manage to do that.
1: And Louise, there's probably a lot
2: of highlights, I can
1: say, you know, um, but getting closer to the what I'm doing at the moment and the family is that um, a variety like like out of 15, like Sweeties. You know, I say always to people, I feel guilty at the end of the season, I feel like I didn't do anything and I get this kind of production, this kind of income. So that is an that is extremely highlight to me the last, let's say, 10 years on a speci- special variety like out of 15, like Sweeties. To have this kind of fruit, to get the feedback, and at the end to see the net income in the farm. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it's something that, that you feel, yes, this is what, this is what you work for. You know, where other times you always there's always a struggle and a fighting and the price and blah blah with like like out of fifteen of sweeties. I think it's an amazing grape. It's
0: what's made the difference from an average var- an average harvest to an incredible harvest is the, that grape which is bred so well to actually be able to do that.
1: Yes, and that one is the one that ticked me on the rest of the arras, that one. Because I said, if if a breeder can can breed something like that to a grower and to a, then surely the the rest of the family they must also be, you know, siblings or exactly the same. And now, uh, I mean, we've seen this last year or two. The new releases now is is absolutely amazing. Incredible. Yeah.
2: I think we can. Hmm. Um, something we do with everybody is that we. Oh, ask, this we, is our
0: little, our little ritual.
2: It's quite we, fun. We, we asked the previous person that we interviewed and these things are not going to go out in chronological order. So it, it could have been anybody. We asked them a question or they must give a question for the next guy. So you're going to get a question from the previous person we interviewed and you afterwards, you're also going to give us one that we're going to ask. So to So it's the completely next person. random. And, and that person doesn't know who it's for what it's about, if it's a fruit or tractors or whatever the story is. So it could be anything, but this one was actually from a fruit grower. The question was, do you pay attention to what variety fruit you buy? And it's a bit of a loaded question because I'm (laughs) working with varieties. (laughs) I can just see you would do that.
1: I, we just talked about the, the other 15 that they call the sweeties. I call it the mm-hmm. granny smith. It's got this high acidity and... The y- granny smith of apple, yes. of, of grapes. So, uh, yes, so if you... if for To answer your question, dear Walt, if I go into a, a supermarket, my first, when I go to buy an apple, is granny smith. I don't want to buy... I know there's fantastic varieties of mm-hmm. apples, but maybe I'm still old school. So I go and I see... I look for Granny Smith. So
2: you you like a Granny Smith personally?
1: Yes. And so I look for the variety. This weekend, I was in Aeservontaine and there was grapes in the spa. And the first thing I looked is the variety. And I decided on the variety if I want to buy it or not. And which
2: variety was it? (laughs) uh, Some of the competitors. But but, but to, to add to that question again is that often in south africa the shops just they just buy a green grape there must just be a green grape on the shelf or a red one or a black one they don't even know what varieties we was we were in fruit and veg the other day and had a whole stack of of grapes and it was a mix match of everything but in there was sweet glow and cotton candy but obviously i know what to look for and there were some nice ones in there but they were like it was 20 rand for two punnets or something. They, it was just a mass of grapes that they had to get rid of. And the guy was walking around with a mic saying on the on the intercom, green grapes, two punnets for 20 rand. I said to him, listen, you must say it's cotton candy standing there. Because then the people will buy it just because they don't know what it is. But I don't think even the grocer, they had a real... <laughs> The message has
0: not got through to the South African public about yes. about flavour in grapes necessarily.
2: Yeah, so so the people that know is um, they will look
1: we- well in Europe. I think it's even worse. And my marketeers friends that that's been there for I don't know what twenty five years, thirty years. They say that it will always stay green seedless, black seedless, red seedless. The, the, the consumer comes in, but then you have this uh, advertisement or media from different breeders to say, no, it's a, you know, and the UK, but it's a very, very, very small percentage of people that actually knows a variety by name. To them, it's, it's true. Yes. So, and I ask them, will it ever change? They say we cannot say if the sun will rise tomorrow, but we can't see that in Europe, for instance, it will change. This again, where I say I'm old school, I grow grapes, or a grower should grow, grow grapes because of passion, but but also for for his net for his income. Mm. So if you can maximize your income um, by producing grapes at a low cost and a high yield, you, you're you going to have a better income than the guy next to you that says, I produce the, the, the flavors, you know, whatever, you know. Um, at the end, this guy makes his money he, he and he buys another farm and another farm and he progresses. So because the consumer on the other side goes in and they just buy
2: on color. Yeah that is my view i yeah it's it's also very subjective and and i think something like pink lady got it right in apples and it's a it's a household name they now, did. a pink lady they did um, just like granny smith if you ask anybody to to give two names of apples they'll probably say or well, three names they'll probably say golden delicious granny smith and a pink, pink lady probably yeah so it there is so many Varieties, especially in the grapes, that I think there's a lot more work to be done by the breeders to get a a, a brand name established, and again, I might be completely wrong just from what we 've seen and what we know, but I think they they need to if they if they want to market it to a specific customer as a specific brand they they will need to do a lot more The to, grapes to are them. now. Where the stone fruit. I mean, there was a hundred different varieties of stone
1: fruit. Yes, and this Yeah, and you. I haven't got a clue what is. I, I mean, I, no. I'm a grower myself of grapes, but I've got no knowledge. I just know there's, This. I don't know. I don't even know their names. And I think yeah. at the moment, people are also there's so many grape varieties that they don't want to.
2: They don't want to sp- sp- spend their time trying to, to to learn it. You know. But but with grapes, it's easier because you've got different shapes and berries. They know that. I bought a longer grape. I like that high city of that longer green grape I bought last week. And they can look for it on a shelf because they can identify it. Same with all the other ver- grape varieties. But in stone fruit, a nectarine looks like another nectarine. A plum, yes. a red plum looks like another red plum. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's- and grapes, you know, in my young, when we supplied Unifruco you know, in, the, in the 80s, you go to the UK, you'll see Alphonse Lavallee, Dunbanana, Walton Cross. It's named there in The shelf, yes, those days it was named okay, on, the, on, was, the, on the shelf with the price yes, and everything, yes. So, you there was black Grips, This is Damanana, this is Alphonse. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Unifurco drive this whole process, but there wasn't so many ver- different varieties like today. Mm. And then, for then, after
2: deregulation, it just disappeared. But, completely. But, 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 why was it why did they do it then? Why can't they do it now? Why can't it's a good question because, like you said, they are sure that they the chance of them just keeping it a green grape, red grape and black grape will just stay like it is forever. Why, why can't it be like it was in old days, like you said?
0: I think it's interesting that there's actually quite a push from the supermarkets to keep it simple, to not, which is understandable. Yes, not to not go down that road. There's, there's a push from the the side of the breeders and then to do what you were saying. And there's a push from the side of the supermarket to keep it generic because as, okay so say for instance you've got your early season something really special and now you've run out but now you've only got you've got a replacement for it but it's not that one so now you've you've run out of that but you can offer them this so if you don't put too fine a point on it you can say we have green grapes the whole season yeah. you understand and also some of the packaging they, they they literally put it into generic packaging so that it looks the same same same
2: a, I totally understand all of that, but, but the Mrs. Jones can yeah. identify, or Mr. Jones, or they. the Joneses, could very easily identify different varieties of grapes yeah. these days.
1: But my two daughters that grew up on the farm, you know, like I said, there was in the spa, and I looked, and it's, I mean, you know grapes? But you also have so many, so it's either autumn crisp or sweet globe or whatever. Your mind tells you, okay, now it should be crimson, it should be this, it should be this. But still you you, you are, are looking at, I have to take my cell phone to to see what, what, what does the fine print say? Yeah, because it has to say the variety. Yes. So my daughter said, but you know, why are you looking at the variety? And then I had to educate them a little bit, you know. <laughs> but, but even they grew up on a grape farm and they, they just... This vitraeve or black grapes
2: or whatever, and they take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, oh, So I think that, that's it.
0: André, thank you so much for your time. It's been incredibly interesting.
2: Yeah, especially and in the short bit of holiday that you've got.
0: Yes, we thank really you. appreciate you taking the time to chat to us. And it's really good to catch up with you again. And, um, well, we'll be putting this out and you'll hear what people have to say. So thank you very much for, for, for taking time to chat to us.
2: Thank you Hopefully, so much. hopefully we see each other in Bakersfield again. Bakersfield again. Hopefully. Sure.
0: Thank you.